0: Forest City Church, anyone and everyone. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Um, What's interesting is, and I'm just going to say a question, is Jesus says that you will know my disciples by what? By their fruit. By their fruit. And the fruit would be the fruit of the? Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit isn't it amazing. It doesn't even though there's nine different types of fruit that are mentioned, it's it's not plural. It's like the fruit. If there's one fruit. What would that one fruit be? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those remaining eight actually are characteristics of love. And really, there's only two primary emotions, love and fear. And we see shame, all of the pain, all of the dysfunction, all of the sin, all of the scarcity, all the anxiety. All of that is kind of a picture of fear, but then you have all of the sense of what love is. And so Jesus says, hey, you're going to know who my disciples are by their fruit, by their fruit, by their fruit of how they love. And that should kind of point us to what it means to actually love as Christ loved. So what's amazing is Jesus was this rabbi, and he would go and he'd travel, he'd go and he'd teach, he'd have these messages, and people would come from all over, and they'd listen to him, but every once in a while, there would be people who would come to him and just almost want to pick a little fight. And, and, and Jesus was so good and so kind, but I want you to see this, it's a familiar story, but I, I really want to try and challenge every one of us. Imagine like you've never heard this story before. Because many of us, we grew up, we know it in the flannel graph. We, we know it from like just cheesy Christian plays. We, we've seen all... Of, I want you to try and see this with Jewish, Middle Eastern, ancient Near East eyes. So we begin chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, stood up to test Jesus... Teacher or rabbi, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the idea of eternal life isn't kind of the way that we think about eternal life. But the idea is, how do I walk with Yahweh in the now and in the life to come? That was the question when he talks about eternal life. And it says this, well, Jesus says, what is written in the law? What is written in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, he replied. And how do you read it? How do you interpret it? How do you understand it? How do you make sense of it? Because every time we open up this book, we read it. And we interpret it. And we try to make sense of the divine words given to different poets and prophets and preachers and priests from way, way back. And try to apply it to our one and only life. And Jesus is asking the so-called expert in the law, a lawyer, how do you interpret it? How do you read it. And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But I love this. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Uh, A rabbi often would say, when, when you answered the question, he'd say, you have fulfilled the law. Or you have answered correctly. If you didn't answer correctly, they could say, you have abolished the Torah. But you never want that to be said of you. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But hear this, verse 29. Many of us can relate to this. But the man, the expert in the law, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So, you have a man who wants to justify himself, which literally means he just wants to prove himself right or righteous or to be seen as better than. And so he wants to ask a simple question and who is my neighbor? That's such a good question. It takes you all the way back to the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Because the idea of love God and then love your neighbor, that's very, very, very beautiful, it's biblical, it's amazing. But you have to understand that in the Jewish culture, the word neighbor in Hebrew is the word riah, riah. And riah literally means someone from your own tribe and family, so, you could have someone, if you remember the Jewish tribes, there were 12 of them, the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Benjamin. You had all of these different tribes. Now, even though all 12 tribes were Jewish, you didn't have to actually see someone from a different tribe as your neighbor. They might be in the Big Ten Conference, but just because they're in the Big Ten Conference doesn't mean you've got to root for Ohio State, you know what I mean? And not your neighbor. And so this idea was, this is how it was understood. And so this man's asking a question, he's trying to prove himself, like, yeah, yeah, I, I got this, I got this, I got this. But he's really trying to, to get to Jesus and try to get and expose some kind of faulty theology in Jesus. And we love to do this, don't we? We love to see where people stand and what they're about and what they really believe on this issue or that issue. And so this man's, like, trying to prove himself is better than, and, and this rabbi is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, but who's who and how do you understand Neighbor. And so Jesus does what he always does, is he tells a story. And here's the story. Again, many of us know it, but the story is this. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a 17-mile walk. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, what we don't know, we don't know his nationality. Jesus, like, actually is a great storyteller, leaves it profoundly vague. All we know is that there is a man who is walking, and he gets attacked. And as he's getting attacked, he's beaten, he's left naked and bloodied. So in the Jewish mindset, he would be considered unclean. He's unclean because he's bleeding. He's left there. And you just gonna imagine, and I've walked this trail before. I've walked this trail And the amazing thing about it is you are just walking basically through these backwoods. Here's a picture of the trail. You're just walking. Very, very narrow trail. And what's amazing is is, as Jesus continues to tell the story, all of a sudden you get the sense of, oh, but this is going to be a great redemptive story. Jesus says beautifully, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And what's amazing is most of the priests lived in Jericho. And so they would work for a week, and then kind of like firefighters, be off for a bit, and they would walk home to Jericho. And so, he, so he, this priest has worked in Jerusalem. He's returning to Jericho, or he's leaving Jericho to come home, and all of a sudden there's this moment. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side now you remember remember like the the, the old Christian plays the, the way that I was always taught was that <laughs> that all of a sudden there's a man and he's just lying there half beaten bloodied and naked and then the priest is like checking his watch like I want to help but I got no time I got no time and, and it's just like I'm so sorry buddy there's no time no time and then Levi wanted to, but he's like, looks at his watch. He's like, no time, no time. And I always thought this was about time. It has nothing to do about time. I, I, I often used to think that this is kind of like the, the, the 90 and 94. That there was like massive, massive highways. So maybe, maybe the priest just didn't see him. Maybe the, the man was just naked and bloodied. And I don't know if the last time you ever saw a naked man just on the street, but you don't miss that, all right? He's just there. But it wasn't like there was like four lanes. This was a a very, very narrow trail. Think this. Whatever this aisle is. And what's amazing is the question becomes, why wouldn't the priest actually help this man? Because deep down, it's about how you rank the laws. I told you about this a couple weeks ago that there were two rabbis, Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai. Rabbi Hillel said that the two greatest commandments of the 613 found in the Torah was love God and love your neighbor. Shammai said to love God and to be holy. And to be holy meant you could not be unclean. And this priest finds himself seeing a man... And he's beaten and bloodied and about to die. But he knows if I touch this man, I'm unclean and I have to go back to the temple. Offer up sacrifices and then I'll have to go home and I will have to be considered unclean. And then I can't do my job. And he makes a conscious choice. Holiness is actually better than serving the marginalized. The perceived sense of religious holiness is actually more important than helping someone who's about to die. And the Levite, though. The Levite, Levite led worship. The Levite did security in the temple. The Levite had a role. But the Levite, the Levite would never, would never do something that he saw a priest not do. A Levite, A Levite probably would be following along behind the priest, and when the priest kind of walks over, the Levite goes, I can't do something different because if I do something different, what I will do is bring shame upon the priest. And for many of us, this is how we live, right? I just need someone to go first. If they go first, then I'll do it. But if they don't do it, then I I don't want to be the first one. I don't want to bring shame on somebody else. I don't don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But you know what's amazing is the word priest in Latin is the word pontifex. And pontifex, pon, actually means bridge, and fex actually means maker. We sang the song, way maker. The idea of being a priest was to be a bridge maker. But think about this. you got a guy who's laying down, and what does he do? He actually is this bridge over injustice. Instead of being a bridge from heaven to earth to lift somebody up, this priest steps over. Now, many of you know I love sports, and I love the game of basketball. It's the greatest sport on the planet. And there's a a couple things you have to know that is actually some of the most disrespectful things that you can do in the game of basketball. One of the most disrespectful things you can do is when you are dribbling, dribbling, you got a guy on defense, you get him a little bouncing, and you, you cross him. And if you could break that guy's ankles and he falls down, Disrespectful. And I've seen this happen. It's happened once before to me, and I fell to the ground, and the guy just looked at me, shook his head, and hit a jump shot in my eye. It's disrespectful. Disrespectful, too, is when you got a guy who's coming down on a fast break, and he goes up for a shot, and out of nowhere, some other dude goes flying and just swats that ball. When I was playing at Cal State Florida, and I let up a layup. I swear that ball has not landed yet. I got swatted so bad. Disrespectful. <laughs> respectful. There's another thing that happens, too. Sometimes you got a guy who comes and he just got, got bounced. I mean, this guy can get up and just just dunk on a dude. And I've seen that happen. Disrespectful when you dunk on someone. But it's amazing. But that's nothing compared to one action that is the single most disrespectful thing you can do to another person in the game of basketball, and here it is. If there's a guy that's laying on the ground... The one thing that you can do, and I don't even fully understand it, but it is the single most disrespectful thing in the game of basketball. If a guy is laying down, what you want to do is just step over him. Somehow the step over is somehow the most disrespectful thing. Allen Iverson did it to Tyrone Liu. I've seen it happen multiple times. One time I took a charge and the guy tried to step over me. I just grabbed his leg. I was like, you ain't stepping over me, dude. (laughs) You just did not let this happen. What's amazing, though, is what you see in this story is a priest stepping over a man. I just want an act of disrespect. My holiness, my perceived righteousness is more important than your need. And the Levite, and it says pass by. They ain't passing by. They stepping over. And the Levite's like, I'm so sorry. I want to help, but he didn't help, so I can't help, because I don't want him to look bad, so I can't help you. That, this is what's happening in this story. And then it continues on, and this expert in the law is thinking, yep, I know, a Pharisee is going to be the one that actually Jesus says is the hero. But look what it says, verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. My favorite word in Greek, it's the word splachna. He had pity, he had compassion to the point where his bowels were moving. He felt it so deeply. This Samaritan, and Samaritan was the most like racist term during those days. They were known as half-breeds. They would say it would be better to be born a dog than a Samaritan. The language at which the rabbis would preach that it was okay, okay for you to hate a Samaritan because they were half-Jewish and half-Gentile. He was taught in synagogues. Do not interact with them, they will make you unclean. They are terrible human pe- beings. And all of a sudden, Jesus lifts this Samaritan up. That a Samaritan who didn't grow up like the priest and the Levite to know Torah, who didn't grow up in synagogue, who didn't actually learn from a rabbi, didn't travel with a disciple as a disciple. Yet he knows what it means to be human and to be a bridge maker, unlike the priest and the Levite. Continues, it says this, verse 34, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him into an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus so brilliantly just says this, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert of the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Now, this story should mess with you. Because really, there's a bunch of characters. There's a bunch of characters. I'm going to get my little tiny stool because it's so important. Um, there's a bunch of characters. There's the expert in the law who studied Torah. There's a priest who knows right from wrong, but has ranked the laws to actually love God and to be holy. There's a Levite, a Levite who just. Is constantly aware of I got to do as my priest does, and I got to I got to make sure that I don't bring shame to him. And so I got I just got to be and do what I see somebody else doing. And then there's a Samaritan who didn't study Torah, didn't study in synagogue, but actually knows what it means to be human. And then there's an innkeeper who actually welcomes. Now, what's amazing about the story? What's amazing about the story is we don't know what the nationality is. You have, to like, you have to read this with like Middle Eastern eyes. You have to like wonder, can you imagine if a Samaritan was walking into town, and just think it was a Hebrew city, on his donkey, he's ushering this donkey in, and let's say there's a Jewish man who's half naked, beaten, and bloodied. I think that would take, like, some people would start looking in the city, and they'd be like, did you do this? So the cost that this Samaritan man is willing to go, and then not only just willing to go, he goes to an innkeeper. The innkeeper has a choice to say, oh yeah, I'll welcome this guy in. And the the guy, the Samaritan says, here's two denarii and you know what? I'll come back. If he's not well enough, I'll I'll pay you more in a bit. And I've just been thinking about this story because again, I was taught no time. It's not about time. It's about like perceived sense of, I know right and wrong. It's about perceived sense of, yeah, but this will make me seem unholy to those people who might judge me. It's about, hmm, this sense of, whew, wow, I just need somebody to go ahead of me. It's about this sense of what it means to actually love and be a true bridge maker. And it's also about being willing to welcome I started thinking about this because the truth is in every issue of our day if I just opened up the Chicago Tribune today and I just said okay let's look at this word or this issue and this is what I often do when I study the scriptures that I want to play it out I want to play it I want to put it on if I start to think about a certain issue you're going to be someone in this story some of you are going to be the expert in the law I I went to Judson. I went to Wheaton. I know. I've grown up in the church. I know what the Bible says. Some of you, some of you are going to be like a priest, and you're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, but like I just got, I I don't know what to do with that, and I got to be perceived holy. Some of you are going to be like, I just don't know. I just need somebody else to go before me. Some of you are actually like, I'm going to go on the streets and love those people, and some of you are actually going to welcome those people into your home. So let's try this on. So here's, here's what I want you to do. One, two, three, four, or five. One, two, three, four, or five. One, expert of the law. Two, the priest. Three, the Levite. Four, the Samaritan. Five, the innkeeper. Now, remember, a rabbi's job is not to shock you. A rabbi's job is to disrupt you. And the disruption and the cognitive dissonance is to help you see, is there some way where I have just drifted from the actual way of Jesus? Who you will know my Talmudim, my apprentices, by what? Their fruit. And what's the fruit? Love. So, let's just play this out. I'm not trying to mess with any of you. But this is how I study. This is how I try to make myself go, am I living this, am I embodying this, or am I just teaching this and transferring information? But think about this. Immigration. Where are you? One, two, three, four, or five. Honestly, I'm not going to make you answer. One, two, three, four, or five. Let's just play it out. Yeah, but I, I know, I know, like I know, I know what the Bible says. And the, and the Torah it says, man, we're supposed to care for the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. That's what the Bible says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, the priests, the priest would be like, ooh, 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 but, I gotta, like, but they might have a different, there might, they might be people with like a different political view, and I, I don't know what to do with that. And the Levites like, ooh, 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 I don't know, I just need someone to go first. And like, then the Samaritans like, yeah, 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 but they're human, they were created by God. And the innkeeper would be like, yeah, you can come stay with me. One two three four five. five. One, two, three, four, five. Where are you? Like this. This is it. Okay, look. Let's go again. The police. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Elephants or donkeys. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. LGBTQIA+ community. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. The homeless community. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. The truth is with this whole story, you have to like sit in it and actually recognize, oh my goodness, if any of you at any moment are like, just stop it, Steve's, don't say another word, you just might be the expert in the law. And some of you, like, see someone who's transitioned. And somehow you can't see them, or you actually want to just bypass or walk over. Or maybe for some of you, you're like, I want to, but I just need someone to go first. I'm scared. The Samaritan would just be like, oh, They matter because they're children of God God made them God made everyone again I'm not I'm not not trying to disrupt you or or mess with you I'm just trying to think man if I put myself in that expert of the law man he he was hoping that he was going to be the hero of the story and what he was was far from it and he couldn't even acknowledge, oh, the Samaritan who doesn't even know the word figured out how to be human. What's amazing is if I actually started, I had this moment, I was like studying. I'm in my little co-working space at this desk, and I'm just working, 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 working. And I'm thinking about one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two three, four, 5. And I'm thinking about all of these different like hot topics. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. And then the Spirit of God whispers. Steve Carter. And I was like, yes, Lord. Um, but I was like, no, 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 no. You just used all these hot topics. But you're on the side of the road. And it, like, hit me. Like, it hit me with the sense of the gospel once again. Didn't grow up in a Christian home. Grew up in a, in a place that was just so much emotional abuse and trauma. My dad had like a, a briefcase before he knew Christ. And inside the briefcase was a loaded 357 Magnum. I learned how to like walk on eggshells and read a room. I was so scared as a kid. I was so afraid. There was so much like low-grade anxiety that just would overtake me. And you know what's so amazing to me is that the gospel was so kind because there was this massive bridge between the beauty and the goodness of heaven, that reached this young little boy in seventh grade that had wounds already in seventh grade. And somehow, like, the gospel just, like, came down and began to bandage me up and remind me, no, 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 you actually were created with a purpose, and you actually have all of this redemptive potential in you, and there's so much good for you, even if you can't see it. And all of a sudden in this moment, I'm just like sitting, writing and journaling about this, journaling about it, writing about it. And there's this moment of like, Jesus, son of God, Messiah. I'm like, this is like, all you can do is worship in these moments. And then all of a sudden you have this, this absolute peace is the truth is God didn't step over you, but why do I step over other people? And then I was like, I don't want to teach this message. Because it's really easy to step over people. To keep it safe. Because you're afraid that like, people are going to think something about you or say something about you or not see you as righteous or not see you as holy. So it's just easy just to distance yourself from the injustice and the marginalized and the pain and the suffering and the struggle of humanity. And then you have to realize, that the gospel is Jesus leaving the perfect place of heaven and coming to a broken and fractured world, and he invites us to do the same. And what's so crazy about the story of the Good Samaritan is the Samaritan was a derogatory term. It was a racist term, but now it has become synonymous with the word good. And the truth of the gospel is such good news is that every one of us when we get around Jesus and we actually find ourselves washed and rescued and cleansed and forgiven and seen and experienced grace upon grace upon grace upon grace you become good. Not because of what you did but because of what Christ did for you. You actually become good. Every one of us. It's not anything that we achieve, it's just something that we open our hands and our heart to receive, and then in view of that reality, the good news is that we don't step over other people, but we end up becoming a bridge so that people can experience the good that we've received, that they can receive it too. But in a world that is just trying to make us actually hate our brother, to push our sister, To step over those. To climb up our own ladders of significance. The heart of the gospel is, really, how low can you go? And I think that's the truth is, it's easier to say and talk about than actually be about. I can tell you that I've traveled to different countries. I can tell you that I've done inner city. It It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, my life will be actually graded on the people that were in front of me were the people I stepped over because I cared about what other people might think. And that's the antithesis of the gospel. That's what Levites do. That's what priests do. That's not what Talmudim and disciples do. And unfortunately, that's not what a Samaritan did. So here's here's the question for you. Is there someone in your marketplace, someone in your family, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your life, Someone that you have just been stepping over. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's not int- intentional like on the basketball court where you're like disrespect you on Facebook. Just trying to disrespect. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you know because you have the spirit and you are a temple. When, they, when, when Paul writes that you are a temple, what he's literally saying is that the Spirit of God has actually is here on the earth, in the planet. It's here in you, and wherever you go, you represent a temple, a holy place, the kind of place where it, makes, it ought to make people take their shoes off because they recognize they're standing on holy ground. That's who we are. But what happens when the holy temples are literally stepping over people in need what, is it, what does that say what does it say for that person but more importantly what does it say about our God and again that's the antithesis of the gospel And so the question that we have to be asking is there someone in our life is there some group of people in our story or our sphere of influence is there someone that we're like I'll step over them every single day. And just just recognize, you're either an expert of the law or you're a priest. And Jesus is like, you missed it. You have a small view of neighbor because your neighbor is just people who look like you or think like you or act like you. But But the call, the gospel call, the actual good news is that we would be bridge makers. We'd actually be more like Samaritans somehow we'd actually get down and we'd experience what Jesus did for us and we'd give that away. And that's the sermon for today. And I I struggle with it. There's some storylines where I am the Levite. There's some storylines where I feel like I'm the priest. There's a couple that I feel like I'm here as a Samaritan, there's a lot where I feel like an expert in the law, like I know, I know the questions to ask. There's very little where I'm the innkeeper. <laughs> I just feel like Jesus has just been speaking to me this week, to say, man, like you can know all this stuff about the text. But preaching isn't just transferring information, it's speaking from a transformed place. And it's letting, it's letting the gospel just hit you and remind you, you were that guy on that road too. And he came for you. And every one of you, you were that guy. You were that. As we head into Palm Sunday next weekend, as we head into Good Friday, as we head into the story, the greatest story, the resurrection story, I need you to know God is in the business of lifting those friends up, reminding them, restoring them, renewing them. And in our world today, there's a lot of people who are drifting. There's a lot of people who have been stepped over, Sadly, by the church. There's a lot of people who have been stepped over by systems. There's a lot of people who have been stepped over by parents. There's a lot of by teachers, by all arenas and avenues of a broken and fractured world. But can you imagine if we, Forest City Church, were so deep with the gospel, cared so much about good news, and understood how God came and rescued us? And we were like, ain't nobody gonna be stepped over on our watch. We will will be bridge makers. And any expert of the law or priest or Levite, they all can say what they want to say. But we're going to live this book. And we're going to teach this book. And we're going to live under this book. And we're going to love like this book taught us to love. And you know what? It's going to get messy. Because Jesus, Jesus was like, all I'm trying to do is tell you what God is like. And they're like, kill him. But that's what happens. Because the system gets all just discombobulated. But you know the people who really, really suffer are the people who needed to be lifted up. And every one of us, this is what we get to be as the people who lift each other up and so that they can see a gospel that is so good. So sweet, so pure, so honest, so stunning, so radiant, so incredible, that is actually good news. Nothing that we deserve, nothing that we earned, but just something that we can receive. So, God, we just come before you. As we go into these next few weeks, I pray that this would be a message we, we have to wrestle with. I talked about last week, God, that we are these steward servants, these steward leaders. Really, leadership is just stewardship. But the truth is, every one of us, every one of us has the chance to lift people up, to be that bridge or to step over. And I confess, I repent of the places in my life where with the words that have come out of my mouth, with my time, with my misuse of power and opportunity and influence that I've just stepped over situations that I could have been a voice for. And the truth is in the heart of the gospel, Lord, I'm just being reminded of it again and again as you don't miss anything and you don't miss anyone. And that you've actually empowered and inspired every one of us as your holy temples to go out in Elgin and Hoffman and and Barrington and Algonquin and South Elgin and Schaumburg just to go and actually be the people who don't step over but who be the people who lift people up. We love you, God. We trust you. Guide us and lead us. We pray all your name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen.